سلام خوش آمدید مرحبا اهلا و سهلا سلام علیکم شراغلاد اولام بینبینیدوس زدرستوچی دبرو پاجالوچ هلو ویلکم تو آر پادکست دیالای افل سی لنگو But that was the first time I went to the city, a big city. That was the first time I had a chance to take a shower. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, in 2018, 89% of adults 25 years or older were high school educated. To put that into perspective, in 1940, only 24% of adults 25 years or older had a high school education. On top of that, the U.S. Census says 60% of the U.S. 25 years or older has studied beyond the high school level. It's safe to say that we take education for granted here in the U.S., and it's undeniable that education has an outsized effect on where you can go in life. We were the only family in that village, actually, you know, in the nearby community that all the kids finally changed their life through education. You know, that's the only way at that time for countryside kids to really, really change your life. Edward Wang, a Chinese Mandarin instructor at DLI, knows from experience. He grew up extremely poor in the countryside of a northwestern province of China during the 60s and 70s. Here, it's the countryside is beautiful, it's pretty. There, the countryside like where we live, we lived in like the, you know the kind of caves and for the whole village i think it's like 20 or 30 families we only have we shared like two or three wells each well is like 30 meters deep and that's where you get all the water for cooking for the pigs for the chickens for everything so water was a big issue i was the, the oldest son in my family my job is to fetch water from that 30-meter-deep well for the whole family and for the two or three pigs. When you are adult, 20 or 30 years old, that's a piece of cake. But when you are 8 or 7 years old, that was a huge job for me, and I didn't like that very much. Edward says the reason they were poor is because of what he calls the policy. The policy, you know, they, they call it the, the socialist the commune. So the whole village worked together, and, you know, it sounds pretty nice, right? But when you work together, you don't care. You do a good job or a bad job. So though everybody's working hard, still, you were not able to feed yourself. So when I was small, like particular winter times, I, I still remember that my mother was so worried or crying because you don't have food to feed your children. I went to school, I, I need to carry food, and not that much, so it was basic, you know, just a radish, potato, all this kind of stuff. It was, it was tough. During the years when they needed money for school books, Edward's family did the illegal thing. They made and sold paper lanterns. One thing which I, I cannot really forget is that, you know, each year here in the city of Pacific Grove, they have the annual lantern festival. And for me, every year, you know, that brings me just back to my memory. When I was small, 
we like my sister, my brother, my, my, my mother, to support ourselves, to get enough money to go to school, buy books, we made that kind of lettings. So by selling, making and selling lettings, we were able to make a little bit of money. The top part is not really making the lettings. We can just shut our door, shut our gate, because you don't want people to know that. You just work hard. The most challenging thing is to sell the lettings, because it was not allowed. I, I mean, doing business uh, on your own is considered to be capitalistic. So it was really bad. So I remember that, uh, you know, we made it, but we need to sell all the Latins by the 15 days after the traditional Chinese New Year. Uh, that is the Latin festival. So to sell them, we had to leave the village really, really early when it's still dark because you didn't want people to see you. And uh, then we went to the market. If you want to sell something, you need to find a place where people can see you, right? People can see the Latins. But for us, tricky. If, you, if everybody can see it, then the tax officials or the government officials will also see it. Then they take away everything. So what happened once is that we, have, we had a huge bag of lanterns there, and then they saw us, and they took away the whole thing. As a kid, we were scared. We didn't know what happened, what to do, so we just went home. But I could imagine my mom must cry a lot, or really sad, because that big bag of lanterns, we spent perhaps over a month making all the lanterns, and suddenly they were gone, and you didn't know where they were. So that was the tough part. It was common then for children to quit school and work in the fields and help the family make enough money to live. It's a perpetuating cycle of poverty, one that Edward's mother did her best to break for her four children. And now I feel lucky that we work so hard because thanks to my mom's tough love, all her kids finally, you know, stay away from the countryside. It is amazing. I mean, she never went to school, but, you know, she's very passionate about children's education. It was a tough hill to climb. To begin with, they stuck out in a small town where quitting school was the norm. Thanks to my mom, I think that we are the, the only family in the village that the parents never asked the kids to quit school, come home to work in the farm. My mom said that, you know, go as far as you can, and you need education. I mean, when people heard that I was admitted to a four-year college, me and my mom, you know, all the people suddenly just came to us asking my mom, how did you do it? How did you do it? Because for, for kids in the countryside, that's a game changer. It changes your life. Another problem was the college exam they had to pass. If I didn't pass the college entrance exam, then I, will, I, I would have been a countryside person forever. As a countryside person, you don't have a job, you don't have a salary. I mean, if I didn't pass the college entrance exam, stay in the countryside, now I think that I'm either growing apples or you know just building houses. Because every time I go back to visit, I go straight away to my hometown and I could see my old classmates and see their lives, see what they are doing there. It was critical that Edward be able to pass the exam. Well, that might not sound so difficult. Keep in mind, what's taught in poor and rural schools 
is not always synonymous with what's taught in the big cities. He was from a small remote area that didn't have good facilities or good teachers. Like we all use the same character, but the pronunciation in my hometown is very different from that in big cities. I remember that in the uh, when I was ready, preparing for the college entrance exam, you need to write the, the phonetic system. But our pronunciation was so different from the standard. So I went to the teacher who was teaching us the Chinese language. I said, you know, what shall we do? It's like 10%. Uh, he looked at me and said, I don't know. That's how we spoke here. So, so the, the pronunciation different. Once he did pass, and he was one of only a small group of students who were accepted to college that year, he then had to pass another hurdle, the big city. University is in Xi'an, that's the capital city of my province. Now, you know, when I was small, I thought, God, that was so far away. Now, I, you know, I know it's only about like one and a half hour drive, because now we have cars, it's not really that far away. But that was the first time I went to the city, a big city. I'm telling the students, that was the first time I had a chance to take a shower. Because in the countryside, you didn't do it. You never have the concept, right? Uh, that was the first time I actually had fish. Because like in my hometown, we didn't have anything. I think that was also the first time that I had rice, because my hometown, we didn't grow rice. So, so you can imagine a, a huge difference. And also because my hometown is in the countryside, and then Xi'an is a big city. So the disparity between the countryside and the cities. You know, here when people watch TV, what you guys see is like Beijing, Shanghai, Hong Kong. They are like San Francisco, New York, right? You got to remember that 50% of the Chinese people still live in the countryside. And their life is a different world from those in Beijing and Shanghai. So after I finished my college education, at that time, you were assigned a job. So you didn't have to look for a job. So I was assigned to a college to teach. So that's how I started being a college teacher. Nearly two decades later, after teaching at a college and then teaching at a private school, Edward decided to change his career to conference interpretation. He chose to come to Monterey to study at the Monterey Institute of International Studies, or what is now known as the Middlebury Institute. My major is conference interpretation, so we have to listen to the speeches, presidential speeches, UN speeches. So I started watching like C-SPAN. You know, there I see people challenge the president, challenge the secretary, the defense secretary. Those top guys, everybody was challenging them. That was eye-opening for me because, like in my culture, they are the top guys. No one can challenge them. You know, gradually, you know, I saw how things work here. Very different. It was his wife who convinced him to settle his family into life in the U.S., where he got a job just up the hill here at DLI as a Mandarin Chinese instructor. It's not just the language he brings as an instructor, but 
It's also the lessons he's learned along his journey about the importance of education and how to inspire his students. To be honest, teachers, you are perfect, you are professional, but no matter how good a job you are doing, if the students are not motivated, it doesn't work. So what I really enjoyed is to create activities or, you know, learning activities to motivate the students. One thing I'm so proud of is that in my teaching team, I designed, we call it the 92 Achievers List. That is, in the major unit tests, if you are able to get 92% over on listening, reading, speaking, all the homework is optional for you. You don't have to do the homework. Oh my goodness, that works so well. So that was why my last team graduated in this August. We have a third of students received three in reading. A third of students received three in listening. A third out of 18 students. I think that here, it's, uh, you know, helping the students to, to, to succeed. I tell them that, you know, we are here to support you. Uh, your success is our success. So try all your best to support them. <laughs>